If you will, uh, please stand with me as I read to us the first ten verses of Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5, by this point, is a very familiar scene to us as a church as we've been going through this great book. And this, one of the greatest chapters in the book of Revelation, uh, I want you to notice what we do in this passage, uh, what the saints do in this passage. There, there are certain things that we are not allowed to do in Revelation chapter 5, and then there's something that we can do and that we must do. And that's what I want us to see this morning. Revelation chapter 5, I'll read verses 1 through 10. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne, a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the or one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals and between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God and they shall reign on the earth. Beloved, this is the word of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Well, I don't know what time you got up this morning, and so I don't know if you've come today already having exchanged gifts. When I was a little tyke, um, we would have had plenty of time. I barely let midnight pass before it was time to get out there and get the gifts. If you haven't done that yet, like we haven't done that yet, um, <clears throat> I'm just hoping that that experience will go better for you um, than it, it has for me this season. What I mean is I, I've played, um, some people call it Dirty Santa, which I think is a weird name. Uh, white Elephant, Gift Exchanges sort of thing. Let me just say, um, I'm not saying anything about the gift that I received for, for Dirty Santa. Uh, I'm, I'm saying during the entire games that I've played in different rounds, I don't know that there were any steals um, or very many steals. Um, 
and and what that told me was that um, in this gift exchange, there was nothing worth stealing. And I'm saying there are people that just like they're thinking about it or they're not thinking about it. And they're giving these gifts that no one really wants. Um, and in fact, that that would not be uh, exceptional uh, to just my experience this season in those games. Um, did you know that three out of four gifts are not satisfying to the one who received it. I'm sorry if you if you haven't given gifts and you're really hoping it's, this is going to be an exception. Three out of four, according to one study, gifts that are given don't satisfy the one who received it. One out of three gifts given are re-gifted. One out of four are just donated. I guess they thought no one, they're not going to give this to anyone they know. <clears throat> and one out of six are, are sold to other people. And uh, this morning I want to talk to you about the wonderful gift of prayer. The inventor of Christmas knows how to give gifts that do satisfy. In the book of Revelation, God gives a gift to people who are struggling. Throughout the book of Revelation, if you've been following along, you notice that the saints are struggling. They don't have power. They're under a whole lot of pressure. But one thing they do have is prayer. Did you hear it earlier in chapter 5 and verse 8? The saints who do not dare to walk up to God and take the scroll out of his hands because they know they can't be trusted with God's purposes. They, they are not proud. They are humble. And, and so what they do in chapter 5 verse 8 is they pray. And those prayers, notice where they go in chapter 5, verse 8. The prayers are, are contained in this bowl that is held by each one of these 24 elders. And the 24 elders fall down in worship to this one who is worthy to be entrusted even by God to carry out his purposes. And those 24 elders take all the prayers of the saints and place them at the feet of of the Lamb. So let me give you this encouragement. Prayers brought to the baby get to the Father. I want you, this to be some, something of how revelation can help us to celebrate Christmas. And it seems that there's a confidence that if we get these prayers to the baby, then he will get them to the father. The idea of prayer is common to religion. If you've been religious on any level for any amount of time, you know that prayer is something that is common. That we can do this anywhere. We can do this anytime. 
I wonder if you've thought what a wonderful gift it is to pray. This morning, I just want to give us four reasons that Revelation gives to us for what a wonderful gift prayer is for the saint. Uh, Reason number one, that prayer is a wonderful gift. It is the gift for many occasions. Gifts should be appropriate to uh, the occasion. If, if it's love and support you want to show to your children um, on Christmas, you may not, it may not be appropriate to give them coal because they know what you're trying to say to them if you do it. Or, you know, if you're shopping for me for Father's Day, I think it's fine, kids, to get me uh, a drill uh, because that fits the occasion of the Father's Day. But I hope there's not one under the tree uh, because for a fellow like me, giving, giving a drill on Christmas uh, is like giving Ralphie socks. It'll just be tossed aside. Prayer is a wonderful gift because it is a gift that is fit for many occasions. In the book of Revelation, there are these key figures, just a few of them who are doing most of the action. Uh, Christians are experiencing a lot of things in the book of Revelation, but they're not doing very much except praying. They're praying and, and, and those prayers are being stored up by God. They have some sense that prayer is this wonderful gift because it's the sort of thing that they can do when they cannot do anything else. And prayer is a wonderful gift for, for people who are faithful to Jesus, who are experiencing what the, the, the saints in the book of Revelation are experiencing because they can still do that thing even when they're not allowed to make a sound. They can pray. And all the prayers of the saints are laid at Jesus' feet. Which means these are the prayers prayed in every single occasion that people pray. Prayer is a great way for you to celebrate Christmas. I want to pass on encouragement from one pastor named Ed Moore who was encouraging parents generally. And he said this, parents who want to be faithful as Christian parents, should use fervent prayer with tenacious persistence to convey humility. That Christians will serve their children well if they use fervent prayer with tenacious persistence. It means persisting in prayer in a tenacious way, in order to communicate to their children humility, to show their children that dad is actually not Superman, that mom is actually not all capable, that we are in desperate need over and over again for God. And I wonder, how often do you and I pray on Christmas Day? And if we're not gathering as a church, And they have offered up these prayers already. 
You know, when, when your children are asked the question, when your grandchildren are asked the question, what are the cherished traditions of the things that you did year in and year out on Christmas Day? Would they say, pray, we prayed. Prayer is the right thing to do today when you're thankful for the love that you've been shown and the love that you've shared. It's a gift for all for that occasion. So stop and pray today if you are worried about what's going to happen next because the conflict has come. Pray and ask God to intervene. When you're desperate for peace and no matter how much instruction and encouragement you give, there's nothing but fighting. When, when you're desperate to see charity in the midst of such a self-centered holiday, would you pray? It is the gift for every occasion. And so we should make it part of the way that we celebrate today. And yet, I don't know if you ever feel like prayer is just one of those traditions that the religious do that has sentimental value, but you wonder how meaningful it is, how purposeful it is. Prayer can sometimes feel like the shallow comfort that grieving people at funerals who don't know the Lord are clutching for. These little sayings that they use that you know are not really meaningful or helpful or hopeful. Is prayer any better than that? Well, prayer cannot be a wonderful gift if it's not true that prayers that are brought to the baby get to the Father. But prayers that are brought to the baby getting to the Father must mean this is a wonderful gift. So the second reason that prayer is a wonderful gift is that it's the gift that moves even the Almighty. I want you to consider what you may not have picked up on as we just walk through the book of Revelation chapter by chapter. And that is that whenever the people of God are poor and powerless, they pray. Whenever they are under pressure, to turn away from the Lord, they pray. Whenever they are under pressure and they're tempted really to give into sin, they pray. And throughout this book, whenever they have been tempted to go along with the world and, and honoring gods who are not gods, or else face the persecution that they would face, or loss of property, or loss of relationships in life, they pray. Because they believe that this is something that will move even the Almighty God. That prayer does what they cannot possibly do because of who they're talking to. 
And we see this throughout the book. Listen, in chapter eight, if you want to turn there, the next time we have this phrase of prayers being in this bowl uh, full of incense, we have it in chapter eight and verse three. Notice here, an angel comes and stands at the altar with a golden censer, and he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. And the smoke of the incense, it says in verse 4, with the prayers of the saints, they rise before God, or before God from the hand of the angel. And notice what happens after the prayers get to God. Then it says, the angel takes the censer and fills it with fire from the altar and throws it on the earth. And there were peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. That is the action of God in response to prayer. The Almighty is moved when His people turn to Him in prayer. They pray, and right after this, chapter 8 and verse 7, hail and fire come from heaven, and a third of the earth is burned up. Verse 9, they pray and a third of the living creatures in the sea die. They pray and verse 11, the, this water turns bitter. This is the prayers of the saints in the book of Revelation who've been suffering. And they're asking God to answer their suffering. And in this case, they're puni- God's punishing his enemies. But he's doing so in response to prayer. Chapter 9 and verse 5. They pray and then God answers in torment of his enemies. And then when the seventh trumpet sounds, it's also a response to prayer. Look in chapter 11. In verse 15, all of this happens right after That angel takes the prayers of the saints, adds incense to them. They rise up to God. And then, verse 15, there is an announcement, not just of judgment, but now the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. And he shall reign forever and ever. Do you want that to happen? Are you asking God to make it happen? After he makes it happen, what do they do? Well, look in verse 16. The 24 elders worship God in verse 17. And they pray. They give thanks to him. Because by his great power, he has begun to reign. Because in verse 18, the nations were raging, but his wrath came. And God rewarded his people. They pray. And then they move God. Verse 19. Then God's temple in heaven, his home is opened. I want us to be persuaded that prayer is a wonderful gift. Because it really does move the almighty God. Now you may... Object that you are praying all the time and it doesn't seem like the Almighty God is even lifting a finger. Well, I do want you to remember the first thing I said, which is that prayers 
brought to the baby are the ones that get to the Father. Uh, That's another way to say that we should pray in Jesus' name. Which is just to say that we bring our prayers to the baby in the sense that they are prayers that he would agree with. Prayers that are consistent with his character. Prayers that are consistent with his will. And he won't answer any prayers that aren't consistent with him. He will not answer prayers, according to James 4, that we are praying for just for ourselves. He will not answer any prayer that will make us more proud and less dependent. And yet, prayer moves the Almighty. We see it right there in the book of Revelation. And you might say, well, look, those aren't the kind of prayers I'm praying that are self-centered. I'm praying prayers that he's not answering. And they're prayers that are consistent with what I know he wants. I'm praying for him to save people in my life. I'm I'm praying for him to bring a a reconciliation between two Christians. And that should be able to happen. I'm I'm praying for, for healing. And we just sang that he was risen with healing in his wings. These are things he wants to do. Why isn't he doing it? We do need to remember, even as we embrace the wonderful gift of prayer, and don't let it go. And don't neglect it or let it collect dust or give it away. That God allows things into our life that he does not like. In order to produce in us what he loves. God will Bring things into your life that you would be right that these are things that he does not like. And he does so to produce the things that he loves because he's after our dependence and our humility. So often he is answering not specifically the prayers we're praying, but the prayers that we would pray if we knew what he knows. He is such a good God. And prayer is often the clearest indicator that someone actually believes in God. That there is someone more powerful than us and someone who knows what to do in our lives better than we do. In the book of Revelation, prayer is a wonderful gift of God because prayer gets things done. And that's because of who they're sent to. An almighty God. Who's also an all-knowing God. He's different than Santa. Uh, I mean, we we sing of uh, Santa who knows when we are sleeping. Who knows if we've been bad or good, but he doesn't know what to get us for Christmas. So we got to tell him all that uh, in, in great detail because uh, we don't want him to mess it up. And we, we put it in a letter that we entrust to the USPS. And I, I think they do a great job, you know, at least here in Graham. Um, but it's possible for the Postal Service to, to lose that letter or it's possible for you to get to that mall too late to even tell that man what you need. Prayer is a wonderful gift because the gift for many occasions and it's the gift that that moves even the almighty. But prayers are useless 
if they don't get to the Father. So, reason number three that prayer is a wonderful gift is because it's the gift given to us from the little Lord Jesus. Prayers brought to the baby get to the Father. I want you to take in the image of what our prayers are. Uh, they're, they're, they're described as being incense. Incense was a, a substance that was used in worship in the temple. And a priest would come and light this substance, incense, and as it would burn, smoke would rise up to God. And prayers are like that. If you bring it to the baby, then they are the incense that will get to the Father. Only if you bring it to the baby. And it's sweet smelling to him. It pleases the Almighty. It moves him to act. It pleases God whenever we pray, whenever we ask him to do what we will not do on our own or we wait on him. Because that is the way that things were supposed to be. But I want you to understand, it's not just prayer to God that pleases God. It is prayers that get to him through his son. It's only prayers that are placed at the baby's feet. That can be carried to the father's ears. God doesn't just answer the prayers of anyone. Yes, it's common. And every religion does it. But the one true God, have you thought about this? Does not just answer the prayers of anyone. He answers only the prayers of those who trust the little Lord Jesus to bring their prayers to them. I want you to think about this. Notice what is said about Jesus around this verse 8 of chapter 5 where they're laying their prayers at the feet of who? Of the Lamb. All the saints who've ever had an answered prayer have pray have their prayers laid at the feet of one who is the Lamb. Chapter 5, verse 6. This Lamb is standing, though it had been slain. Verse 9 says, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals for You were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. His blood was necessary for us to have access to God at all. That's why the prayers are put at the feet of a lamb. His blood was necessary for us to have the favor of God. For him to have the inclination to say yes to any of our prayers. Because they are placed at the feet of a lamb. And when he shed his blood for our sins. It took away everything that would keep us away from God. And it took away all the disfavor that we had for God. And from God. Because of our sins. Beloved, saving trust. 
is the prerequisite to answered prayer. So you have to trust the Lamb. You have to know that only this baby can get my prayers all the way up there. Only He can give me favor with God. And He does. Revelation shows the faithful praying. And then it shows the Almighty moving. And then it shows the faithful amening. Chapter 5, verse 14, after all of this, the four living creatures say, Amen. And over and over in the book of Revelation, this is the response to what the little Lord Jesus has grown up to do. And all that he's given us in God, they say, Amen, Amen, Amen. Now I realize, I've been on to you guys. To say amen a little bit more and a little bit louder. Um, I would love for us just an increasing measure to be like the saints in the book of Revelation whose hearty amens explode out of the faithful because of what the Son has done for us. I, I, I want our church to be like those churches in different continents and in different ages who exploded with amens because of what we believe God has done for us in Christ. And I also re realize that when I keep on begging you for more and more, that this may be partly self-serving. That I don't want to feel alone up here. And, and there's something persuasive about hearing an amen. That, uh, I agree with what you're saying, preacher, that persuades me. I think God is actually doing something in this moment of preaching. And I realize. Continuing to prod you to do this is also pointless. Because if you agree. You don't have to be told to say it. Well, maybe you say, well, look, saying amen really out really loudly isn't really my personality. I get how it's more fitting for a different kind of culture. I'm just not experienced in it. And I would just say, look, I may season my Christmas dinner a little more aggressively than you. I may season my amens. Or other people around here, I love you all so much when you season your amens really loudly. More volume, more frequency. But we don't have to be the same. We don't have to have the same kinds of taste. I'm just saying that the faithful throughout the book of Revelation agree and rejoice with what God has done for us in Christ. And they celebrate the moving of the Almighty over and over by saying, Amen. Amen. I love to hear amen or amen or whatever you want to say. If you want to say my, 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 say my, my, my. I'm not being picky up here. What I do want to encourage is the wonder of the gift of prayer. And what it means that Jesus, by his blood, has removed all of our sins. And has forgiven us totally and actually 
opened up a way for us to actually get to talk to the Almighty and for Him to listen to us and be inclined to answer us. He even allows us to experience things because He's good and He wants us to depend upon Him more and more. I want to encourage wonder at Christmas at the thought of who it is who gets our prayers to the Father. Because it would be a great Christmas if we prayed a whole lot. And we prayed with a whole lot of confidence because of the one who has given us prayer and who gets our prayers to God. What child is this? Who, while he was still in the womb, Angels named him Emmanuel. God, come to be with us. Who angels called him Jesus because he would not just be God, but the man who would save us from our sins. Who's no longer a child. And soon every single person in all the world will know him as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Who is this child whose head once was gently placed in a feeding trough now is crowned with many crowns? Can't you see why uh, putting our hope that prayers will be answered in him? That we have a lot of hope? The mouth that cooed like a baby will one day clench a sword with which he will strike down the nations. Those tiny, soft feet eventually would carry him to Calvary through the insults. Those feet would be pierced to absorb God's wrath for us. And those feet stood again after death and resurrection. And now those feet are solid bronze and they will tread his enemies like grapes in the fury of God. These arms of the little Lord Jesus, which would have taken a long time to be able to carry any kind of weight, are now strong enough that one day soon, beloved, he will even throw the dragon in the lake of fire. Those little fingers that surely grasped his mother's hands later walked right up to the throne and took his father's scroll. And those fingers will take the bride's hand, take our hand. He's made us beautiful and he will lead us into the kingdom that he's prepared for us. I wonder if anyone here is going to agree with me that this one alone can be trusted with our deepest desires and our deepest needs. Uh, He was rejected by the only people who were waiting for him. And now he has ransomed by his blood people from every tribe and every tongue. And very soon, every creature is going to freely give him blessing, honor, glory, might forever and ever. He is the firstborn of the Godhead. And now he's the firstborn of the dead. He was placed in a manger But he will return on the clouds. He was born to a carpenter. 
But he is also the son of the creator and he will appear again very soon to make a whole new world and new heavens as well. He is the one who carries every tear filled prayer to the father and he will also carry us to the father who will remove every tear from our eyes. Beloved, this is the one who carries our prayers to the father. Every prayer given to the baby makes it all the way to the almighty God. Maybe you're sitting there wondering, how do I respond to this? That's an understandable thing, even on Christmas. I, re- I remember the one of my various, very earliest memories of Kelly um, in Christmas was the, the, the stress I realized that she carries when she's receiving a gift. And she hates this moment where everyone's looking for a reaction and listening to what she's going to say. What do we do? What do we say that would be a fitting reaction to the wonderful gift of prayer? Let me just tell you finally, it is a wonderful gift. Point number four, because it asks so little in return. You may know the experience of receiving a Christmas gift that costs you just as much as it costs the person who gave it to you. You realize when they give you that gift, they spent more time than you did on their gift. Uh, they, they spent more thought and money than you did. And so you, you realize, oh, geez, I've got to now do more. You realize because of the, how great the gift is that you've received that you're now on the hook. What is it we can do in response to so wonderful a gift in prayer to the idea that prayers brought to the baby actually get it all the way to the father? And I'll just close with this. He's not asking you to repay him. It's we just receive it. And you receive the gift of prayer by praying. So what will you do with so wonderful a gift? Lord Jesus, we pray that you would you would make us a, a praying people. I, I believe we are a praying people, and yet we cannot grow enough in this. We have every reason to be confident in you. You are the amen. You are the reason every prayer has hope of being answered. And we ask that you would increase our confidence in you. And out of that confidence that we would then pray more and more. And we ask all this in your name. Amen.